I am Andrew Ryan, and I'm here to ask you a question. Is a man not entitled to the sweat of his brow? No, says the man in Washington, it belongs to the poor. No, says the man in the Vatican, it belongs to God. No, says the man in Moscow, it belongs to everyone. I rejected those answers. Instead, I chose something different. I chose the impossible. I chose rapture. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's going right, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing swell. Doing swell, more like. <laughs> a swell, like like the ocean. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm not swell. <laughs> you know I don't work out. <laughs> Holy swolly moly. Look, yeah. at, look at that muscles. Oh, boy. So, I feel like I feel like talking about Bioshock today. I, like I also feel like talking about Bioshock. It's probably a good day for it. Uh, I think that uh, pretty impactful game um, in both of our early uh, careers as game games journalists. Use the term formative years. It sounds cool. Oh, formative years, yeah. The nascent years. <laughs> what was that about game journalists? That's... <laughs> someday, someday. <laughs> we'll look back on this and be like... Guys who play video games talk about video games. He got it right. <laughs> Hire me, Kotaku. Yeah, I don't actually. I don't actually know if I'd want to be a games journalist. I don't want to cut this off now, no. but I mean, it seems kind of cutthroat. Other people cutting throats, cutthroat characters, and Bioshock. Bioshock, which is a game, which came out a long time ago, over a decade now. Yeah, it is surprisingly old. Yeah, because sometimes I go back to re-experience the magic, and I'm like. This game looks like trash. Because <laughs> you get so used to current day graphics and what yep. your computer can run, and you're like, oh, I'm used to this. And then you go back, and it's still a good game. It still has decent graphics for the time. Mm-hmm. But it's just comparatively very clunky. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those that had uh, not necessarily super future-proof um, optimizations as far as like mouse usage and things like that. I remember going back to the last time I went back to play this, uh, the menu mouse was like super, super fast and the game mouse was like really, really slow. And I'm just like, why is it different? This doesn't make any, can we not use one sensitivity? Um, but that all being said, it's uh, still pretty impressive. And I remember that was uh, one of the big selling points when this launched was um, just how pretty the game looked. Oh yeah. They did a surprising amount with, even that initial loading screen for Bioshock, and you have like the water coming off of like oh, these. Yeah. It's a, the logo, right? Like the yeah, city like logo. Just like a hard copper, and you're like, holy shit, it looks great. And it had like rust effects as yeah. well. Yeah, it's like super accelerated rusting, and it's just like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they they got the aesthetic nailed down, um, which you might have guessed if you know anything about the game. <laughs> is uh, mostly oceanic-themed, I'd say. Um, yeah, it's a little bit under the sea. Uh, you're right. <laughs> little Mermaid uh, 
spinoff, uh, something like that. But um, it was a it was a uh, shooter, kind of primarily a shooter with RPG mechanics, um, kind of like I wouldn't I wouldn't say tacked on there, but built into the system. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. you didn't have to just use guns. You also had abilities you could use. Right, the plasmids, your powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you feel like a superhero by the end of it, but, um, going back and playing it now, it's like, it's not super, super responsive, like a call of duty or something. You're going to be vaulting over terrain. Um, it, it could be a trouble. It could be trouble to try to like home in on somebody and, and take them out, but has a lot of mechanics we'll get into, um, whether we enjoyed them or not. I'm personally looking forward to hacking, obviously, everyone's favorite. Oh my god. <laughs> Which I didn't even have in the notes. I just wanted to spring it on you. But uh I that, think that good old series of tubes. Yeah. <laughs> we were actually just creating the internet, I think. Oh god. <laughs> that was basically what that was. Um but I distinctly remember the intro for this game because I was playing back on my now garbage graphics card and uh opens and you're in a plane you've got a message in front of you and uh, i think this is the only time that the protagonist's name comes into play um he's named jack if you miss it there then you just never see it again <laughs> yeah it's not that important mm-hmm. there's not a really a whole lot of dialogue with jack yeah he doesn't he's not, not much of a talker he's just a shy guy he just grunt <laughs> you get hit by something he'll, he'll grunt but, mm. Mm. <laughs> no good <laughs> doesn't do that but uh starts on the plane and there's a um actually this is probably the only time he talks i'm literally going to contradict myself but he's talking about how he says uh, uh my parents always said that i was meant for great things and you know what they were right and then it cuts to black and you hear the plane like Good. going down you hear yeah. the panic you're just like oh geez <laughs> like what the fuck happened <laughs> <laughs> it's like bioshock terrorism simulator <laughs> you're like ah <laughs> Mom and Dad didn't know this when they got me the game. <laughs> um, but yeah. So presumably the plane crashes. Yes. Based on the sound and mm-hmm. everything going on. Yeah. And everything that comes after, because you uh, come to consciousness, uh, you're underwater, kind of um, struggling. You can you can hear yourself struggling underwater as uh, um, luggage floats up above you, and you see the plane just like pulling itself through the water uh, in front of you. It just kind of like drops to the depths. Yeah, you're just like, ah, it's, well, that's where down is. <laughs> so that helps you orientate yourself to where up is. <laughs> to be fair, that might have been just like a really smart design choice on their yeah. part. I think it's fair. Because it's very, it's, it is very confusing when they just drop you in there. Um, but uh, you make your way to the surface, which I think happens automatically. Um, I'm pretty sure you can't just stay underwater and, and drown. You you get up to the surface. You hear the sonic bubbles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but once you make your way up to the surface, this is basically where the game uh, threw me for a loop. And there's essentially an oil fire out in front of you. And like some debris, the remnants of the ship are like sinking underneath the, the water. The ship. Oh, the ship, sorry. Yeah, the ship that flies through the air. <laughs> An airship, got you. <laughs> yes, some sort of airship. It was a blimp you took, not a plane. <laughs> yes. Different game, different game. Um, but uh, that sinks below the water, and I'm like, great. Why isn't anything else happening? You know, just sitting here for a while, you're like, he's going to get hypothermia. <laughs> and then I realized that the game was playable, and I wasn't in a cutscene anymore. And my mind was blown. Yeah. It was a really nice touch for the time. 
because it had like the good water effects like it was also raining outside yeah. and there's fire going on and you start to work your way to the lighthouse once you're like oh i can move yeah and the fire kind of builds in a way where it's kind of guiding you in a linear yeah. way mm-hmm. towards the only thing in the fucking ocean <laughs> which is this singular lighthouse right which is just kind of there yeah you're like all right well that's convenient <laughs> yeah we just convenient go on to the dry land briefly <laughs> And uh, they, the sound design, uh, as well as the graphics, kind of just lend themselves to the atmosphere throughout this entire game. And at this point, like I remember seeing uh, like the glistening of water on the stones of the lighthouse steps, and like your wet footprints as you're making your way up, or uh, footfalls, I should say, footprints you can't hear. But uh, you walk in that door and you see that first statue, a huge glowing statue. Not glowing, but golden. <laughs> yeah. The lights kind of come on after you've already entered and like mm-hmm. the big doors close behind you. Mm-hmm. And it's not super lit, mm-hmm. 420 fam. Yeah. <laughs> it's very dimly lit, but there's enough for like this statue to be kind of embossed upon the wall. Mm-hmm. And it's of this guy's bust yeah <laughs> it's a bust it's, yeah. it's, 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 it is at an angle so it's like it's over it's looming over you right yeah it's, just like, it's not he's upright. looking down it on is, you immediately yeah. and there's text underneath which says no gods or king only man yep only man <laughs> only man <laughs> only man <laughs> vandalized statue there's like a blunt so like <laughs> yeah but uh immediately impactful you know you're in for you're in for a ride uh, and so you literally. actually go on the ride. <laughs> yes. Uh, the only thing inside the lighthouse, outside of that statue, is a ball, mm-hmm. which you later learn is a bathysphere. But mm-hmm. you get in, you push the lever, and it seals, and it starts yeah. to go underwater slowly. Yeah. And you start to see like the little metrics of how far down you're going. You're this many fathoms. <laughs> yeah. I'm this many. And you go down fathom. to like... 18-ish, and then you kind of get released from the tube. Yeah. And it starts going on this automatic path. Mm-hmm. And then a cutscene starts to play. Yeah. Like, from the actual projector yeah. inside the bathosphere. It doesn't interrupt the game. You no. just get, like, a, a little parchment comes down. <laughs> You're like, I guess I'll look at this. <laughs> Alright, school teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, goes through uh, Andrew Ryan's vision for Rapture. And his vision, you know, was getting away from the government, getting away from all these external influences, building a city, the only place that he could, in Rapture. Um, well, making, literally Rapture. Making yeah. the city of Rapture <laughs> yes. so he could be free from any type of restraint yeah. and let other people be free as well. Mm-hmm. No government, no strict moral code, no religion. Yep. Just absolute progress and personal advancement. Uh, everyone pulling the great chain um, of progress forward and uh, based off of his accomplishments like when you're arriving at rapture you're like this seems pretty good yeah like he built a whole fucking city underwater which <laughs> yeah. you get to see from the bathosphere yeah and it's gigantic they do this uh, uh i, I want to say flyby, but that doesn't count underwater right <laughs> it's like a float by <laughs> uh where you see like all of the buildings and the, the structures these neon signs and uh, there's some um, aquatic life, too. There's, like, a whale, I think, like, comes across the, yeah. the, one of the buildings. Which is, I think, mainly done for the scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the whale is, like, maybe one to two stories. And a lot of these buildings are, like, 
30 40 50 yeah no it's absolutely cool and it's it's well illuminated like there's light all over the place um and nothing inherently seems uh, to be going wrong necessarily in your first your first path through, pass through here <laughs> uh yeah first passover <laughs> the rapture and uh i'm not sure if that was like a setup for me to just talk <laughs> no. about jewish things <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's talk about your past <laughs> no um but it's very impressive and uh, it opens up just this floodgate of um sensation for the rest of the game like you are completely underwater you've seen the outside of all of these buildings you're going to be in Uh, the scope of the game is defined right at the very beginning and i think that's immensely powerful it's just like here are all the cards that i'm holding and then just put them out on the table enjoy you know check the full art (laughs) link in the description yeah (laughs) um yeah but that is immediately kind of juxtaposed by when your bath sphere arrives and mm-hmm. gets rid of any excess water that it was holding on to, and now you're just the door doesn't open. Yeah, you're just you're like, like well, all right, it's coming. Kind of guess I'll die. <laughs> uh, one of the lights in the room you enter starts to like flicker and kind of goes out, mm-hmm. and then like you hear some people kind of milling about. Yeah, and then some person with like a claw hook that yeah, they're holding on to, glowing looking claw, almost like a some type of farming implement. Mm-hmm. For killing people. Yes. And they start like... Farming people. <laughs> and they start hitting the bathosphere and kind of like clawing around the edges and it kind of like punctures the bathosphere. The bathosphere kind of rocks back and forth. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck. Because you can't do anything. You don't have anything. You're just a guy in a ball. Yeah. Feeling like a fucking hopeless hamster amongst like a, a kid who's very excitable. <laughs> yeah. The kid trying to get into into the hamster ball, right? <laughs> How do I get this unlockable hamster? <laughs> Fries is inside. And then they just kind of fuck off randomly. They give up, basically. Yeah, and there's a, a radio in the bathosphere, and someone's mm. like, Yo. <laughs> Would you kindly pick up that radio? So you do, and you're like, new phone, who it is? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and basically they explain, like, hey, I'm Atlas. Uh, welcome to Rapture. Mm-hmm. Shit's kind of crazy, as you saw. Yeah. But um, I can help you if we can, like, meet up. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can give you directions over the radio and kind of fill you in on the world and the environment, what's going on. It's like, I'll get you through this horror game, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, Mr. <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah, and he uh, he delivers unto you the wrench, the most powerful weapon in the game. Or at least the most useful, depending on your build. <laughs> it's definitely good. Yeah. Freaking good. And it teaches you how to crouch and all the standard movement things. And the the the, the one-two punch. Give him the one-two punch. But uh, that's not until after you have uh, drank of the punch, which comes pretty early, I think. And uh, the only way you can drink this punch is if you mainline it. It's literally lightning, right? Um not too long, not too far into the game, you get your first plasmid. It's like you gotta power up. This is the only way you're gonna survive. Yeah, and this is the uh, magical abilities we were talking about earlier, where essentially you can harness elemental abilities or other <laughs> random shit. You know what my favorite element is? Bees. Bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I said as soon as I said other random shit, and I saw your eyes light up. I'm like, he knows I mean bees. <laughs> yeah. 
But the first one you get is the shooting lightning, yeah, which is useful for hitting an enemy, kind of stunning them, mm-hmm. and then you go beat them in the face with a wrench. Yeah. And that's the one-two punch. Yep. And that uh, works pretty pretty effectively. And you can also shock people who are in water. Yep. But that just kills them. Yeah. <laughs> that just kills them. That that ruins your non-lethal that's playthrough. That's science. <laughs> yeah. There's, as it turns out, there's a lot of water in this game. Because <laughs> you're under it. <laughs> yeah. And... Even though we saw like that really gorgeous view outside, based on your kind of initial encounter, you see a lot of things inside are kind of run down. Yeah. Things are knocked over, disheveled, complete disarray. There are leaks places. Yeah. So some rather large leaks as it turns out. They're <laughs> just like, hey, wall of water gonna hit you with this. Um Yeah. It's uh very very well submerged. Um, but those People who you encounter who attack the bathosphere mm-hmm. are actually splicers, which are people who are essentially mainlining the same drugs as you are, right? Or which is a heroin, a form of atom. But they've been using it so much where it's it kind of altered their brain chemistry mm-hmm. and drove them crazy. Yeah, and you're like, oh, how many splicers are there? Everybody's splicers. <laughs> yes. Like the downfall of Rapture was this in its entirety. Um, people just kind of went drug crazy, and shit blew up. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> As it turns out, the genetic engineering leads to a genetic engineering addiction. <laughs> There's no escaping that. <laughs> Got to get that atom. How would I get a genetic engineering degree? <laughs> I mean, that might just be a thing. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a thing. Um, yeah, the splicers are really interesting in this game. They're like, they behave erratically. They'll kind of like yell things like, I'm sorry, as they're attacking you or like go crazy. Yeah, they have they have a personality, but they seem confused yeah. some of the times. Mm-hmm. And also they're like semi-well-dressed. Yeah. It's but, like everybody went to a cocktail party, did a shit ton of blow. Yeah. And but now like <laughs> half their clothes are torn off. <laughs> A lot of times you'll see, like, a, what are they, masquerade? Yeah, that's mask? what I was thinking, like a masquerade, yeah. But, like, half it'll be broken off. Yeah. But they'll still be wearing it. They really like their, their bunny masks uh, in particular. And uh, I, I think part of the reasoning there is because they are ashamed of what they are. So the face that they show everybody else is just like, oh, no, you know, don't look at my face. Don't look at what I've become. Yeah. I'm a bunny. <laughs> oh, it's okay. He's so cute. <laughs> it's just like the Monty Python bunny, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. And then they bite you to death. Yeah. And uh, they have all kinds of um, weapons throughout the game. You mentioned the claw, uh, which some of them will use to like move around the ceiling. And uh, spider splicers, I think they were called. Yeah. They just had like two claws that would climb around mm-hmm. and just whatever and then they throw shit they, at you yeah like the claws i think I, I don't know if they like generated the claws i never got that plasmid but um yeah you could get um an, an upgrade that allowed you to like harvest their hearts or something like that it was oh, wow. or no, it was an organ it was this it was a splicer organ yeah um i can't even remember what the effect was but well, well thanks for bringing it, it up yeah <laughs> well it's still important to the plot that you become an organ harvester by the end of it <laughs> We already did Blood Dragon. Oh. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, those are those are the, the splicers. Um, there's a whole bunch of different types. But in general, they're kind of the... Um, uh, 
they're, they're your middle of the road kind of enemies. They're there to slow you down a bit, but unless it's like an overwhelming sequence where yeah. the game's like throwing a ton of them at you, they're, they're still people. They're susceptible to head injuries, yes, whether it's through a wrench, wrench or a bullet, right? <laughs> so, but they're people like you. Yeah. So they're not an insurmountable wall to pass. Other enemies in the game are definitely more difficult. Um, I'd say, namely, the big daddies. Who? Oh, we gotta we gotta talk about the big daddy though. Big daddies, yeah. So, when you first see the big daddy, mm-hmm. if I'm correct, you kind of are doing going across this walkway as Atlas is guiding you, mm-hmm. and you hear some shit, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, just wait a minute." Yeah. And there's a little sister mm-hmm. who's there, and she has her teddy bear and her. Adam extracting needle gun. Yeah. Which, gotta put on pause for a sec. Yeah. And a splicer comes in mm-hmm. and knows that she has Adam in the syringe. Yep. And he wants it. It's his addiction. So he starts like manhandling her, getting violent. Mm-hmm. And then you hear like the big daddy roar. Yeah. And fucking just. He like, he takes his drill and he smashes him into the wall with it. He hits him a couple times, then he gives him the coup de gras. Yeah, I was going to say the Kool-Aid man, but I completely blanked. <laughs> but it's, yeah, he's it's like this giant golem, almost. Yeah, it, I think that's probably a good, good way to put it. Kind of like a metal. Uh, it's it's basically the most rudimentary power armor you could get. It's a, it's a bathysphere suit, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's sealed, so water pressure won't fuck you up. You have this giant, kind of like cagey helmet. Mm-hmm. It has like a lot of lights, so it looks like multiple eyes. A giant fucking drill arm. Yeah. And he's just a very thick boy. Yes. Remarkably but thick. He just breaks through the wall and then he like puts the drill into the guy and then turns the drill on. Yeah. And it was a very visceral moment early on. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is your shit to avoid. Yes. Like, you know when they'll kind of like hint monsters in a game, like you'll see them in the distance, like, hey, this is Calumet from Dark Souls. Yeah. So like, yeah. Hope I don't ever have to fight that shit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. There's literally a um, a wall between you and the the big daddy and the little yeah. sister. Like while this is all going on, so it's literally like a viewing experience. You're like, just sit back, eat some popcorn, watch this splicer die. <laughs> um, but uh, it it serves well to teach you how dangerous big daddies are. Um, and uh, I was listening to some of the the commentary mm-hmm. uh, about the game um, recently. And they're like, all right, now that we've like shown how ridiculously terrifying the big daddies are, we have to give you some incentive to actually fight them. Like, every player's going to avoid them like, and just stay out of their way unless there's a reason to fight them. Yeah, they will fuck your shit up if you don't know what you're doing. Yes. If you're like low on supplies, don't got a lot of ammo, don't have a lot of Eve, which is the resource to regenerate your, uh, your plasmid powers. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, then, yeah, they'll just they'll, they'll wreck you. They'll send you to the nearest uh, uh, Vita chamber really quickly. Just basically your respawn point. Because um, uh, this was one of those early games, or one of the one of the first, I think, games that I played that really played around with not forcing you to... Uh, restart the level. Restart, yeah. You'll just hit your respawn point, and you'll be down all the supplies that you used. But the world itself won't change. Yes. So if you're fighting a big daddy and you got him down like half health, <laughs> but he killed you, yeah. you go back to that Vita chamber, but when you come out, he still has half health. Mm-hmm. He's still in the same spot where you left him, 
maybe he got bored of killing you and he's walking around. <laughs> he's found something else to do. Yeah. I, I, I'm just imagining, like, you emerge from the Vita chamber. You've got, like, all your clothes and everything. First thing you do is you just brandish the wrench in charge <laughs> of Big Daddy. <laughs> and this was the Zerg Rush. <laughs> Building off the previous episode. Imagine just never using health and always just, like, going in. You're like, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> you basically just play as a splicer. A wrench splicer. That's yeah, the protagonist of Vita. You drown them with your own dead bodies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But uh, you take, should elaborate a little more on our little, little sisters. sisters. Yes, I, I know I kind of teased. Taking back to the little sisters for a second, they're one of the more interesting mechanics of Bioshock. This is basically the only choice that you really have is how you deal with the little sisters, and then how you deal with like one other character. Um, but the little sisters, uh, there's an incentive, uh, kind of really early on in the game, to fight the big daddy that's defending them. Because if you get close to the little sisters, they get really protective. They like try to get between you and the little sister. Yeah. They'll like threaten you off. If you're too close, they'll straight up attack you. Um, very, very protective. And it's because uh, you gain the ability to harvest the little sisters to gain a, a large amount of atom, or to redeem them to save them um, for a smaller amount of atom in the short term. But then later they can give you presents yeah. of adam because they're thankful being freed because mm -hmm. these little sisters are imagine like a six-year-old girl who has like pretty dress like her hair is done in pigtails mm -hmm. she has a teddy in one hand <laughs> and then a giant fucking like murder syringe in the other yeah which we said was like used to extract adam from bodies mm -hmm. yeah it's uh she's like pale complexion kind of like yellowish or golden eyes yeah it's, it's like something's something's up there like she's possessed or... and, and they all look the same that's the other thing all of the little sisters look the same there's no like distinguishing characteristics between them so it's all very uh kind of otherworldly and weird yeah it's um, a little creepy but the uh the in-universe explanation for this is basically adam is produced by these slugs um that they discovered outside but the problem was in order to do genetic engineering make these plasmids and things they need um, a lot of this atom and they're like hey we found a way to make these way more efficient if we just take that slug and we place it inside of a little girl <laughs> and then uh, we just let her do her thing because they can't like keep them in a vegetative state or it doesn't work um, they just let her do her thing then it'll produce more atom than it would like a lot more than it would otherwise and that's already really freaking weird remember how we said before that rapture was kind of like free of morals and government restrictions and fda approval yeah yeah there's there's some definite ethics questions involved with this yeah and it only got worse because what happened is as rapture began to fall apart and um these splicers with these addictions started to emerge they're like, hey, we can make these girls more efficient if we condition them to see these dead splicers as angels. And they'll, like, ingest the blood from these splicers and process the atom out of them. We'll get even more of this, like, huge money-making process. And, like, controlling Adam in Rapture was a huge amount of power. Yeah. So they turn them into something completely monstrous now for something completely different exactly right <laughs> little sister um yeah but the whole thing like we know i said it was like initially it's utopia mm -hmm. and then obviously it became 
dystopian because of it was so far in one direction that it kind of just teetered off the edge. Mm-hmm. But plasmids were seen as like a common convenience. Yeah. It was a way to make life easier. Like, oh, I can snap my fingers. Did that pick up on the mic? Yeah, I think we're going to do this a couple times. That's, that's, yeah, um, let's pick it up. <laughs> to like ignite so yeah. I can light my gal's cigarette. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Or maybe you can freeze to uh, make that hot coffee mm-hmm. uh, more room temperature coffee. <laughs> right. Like they they had practical applications. Yes. It's like some of them you might have a little more trouble justifying and maybe they were developed a little like more bees. to aggression. <laughs> yeah. You ever been on a date and you just want to unleash an insect swarm? <laughs> Waiters treating you bad? Bees. <laughs> no, it's uh, harder to justify some of them but Maybe those were the self-defense plasmids that were created once things started to go to crap. Yeah. So. A good example of one of those, probably uh, one that I preferred was telekinesis, yeah. which, which was introduced with a, um, a tennis ball launcher. that like chuck them at you one at a time. Um, and you'd get the opportunity to block them with the, the plasmid. Um, it's kind of like hold it suspended in the air. Yeah. And if you need to kind of redirect it. Throw it. Tennis ball. Of course, later there were much better things you could throw, uh, in particular like Molotovs. If an enemy throws one at you, you're just like, how about now? <laughs> and back. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, tons of super fun plasmids that can be used in a bunch of different ways. Um, and uh, I had mentioned the, the cleansing one, the one that uh, can save the little sisters, which is the moral choice of the game, right? Um, you're actually given that uh, by Tenenbaum, Dr. Tenenbaum. Has to be a doctor. Yes. <laughs> you doctor have to get un- unprescribed uh, plasmids. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, basically the way she fits into this is she worked alongside Andrew Ryan in um, the research for these plasmids and determining like how they should be used, Adam in particular. And he, she had the idea of using these little girls um, as the uh, incubators for these slugs that were generating all this atom this cold-hearted bitch i know right but change of heart twist she starts to see them more and more as little girls and this warm-hearted bitch exactly <laughs> and uh it decides that uh, she's gonna make it her own personal mission to save them um she basically like has a breaking point uh I, I remember there was a, an experience where she saw like one of the little girls walking with the big daddy and it just completely all hit her at once. All of this, she, these decisions she's made. Yeah. Because it's, it's really fucked up. Yes. If you like, from what we already said about what's going on with the little sisters, plus big daddies, there's actually, there's actually people in those suits. Yeah. But they are again, also fucked up and kind of genetically engineered. Mm-hmm. But they have this relationship where the little sister will harvest and the big daddy protects. Yeah. And they're always in pairs. Yep. So if you don't see a big daddy, it's just like if you see a, like a bear cub in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Like the parents around don't fuck with it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah big daddies don't mess around. And they have these like uh, kind of deep roarish like moans and things because their, yeah. their vocal cords have been all messed up by the process that transforms them and they're also in a suit too yeah so i'm not sure what the the it lends the echo to it yeah. i think yeah so they they kind of have this weird whale like sound i would almost say they make um but not in like the not cute way <laughs> yeah yeah not not like that angry whale sounds all the time yes <laughs> um 
but yeah, they'll they'll help the little girls uh, traverse around, put them in these little vents they can use to uh, move from location to location. And... Yeah, it's kind of like their escape route of this place where you're getting uppity. <laughs> yeah. They can kind of just go in there and they're the kids. Like, there aren't splicer children. Exactly. We should probably say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the adults can't get into that small hole. Yeah. And climb through the vents. Yeah, I don't think there's any uh, kids in the game other than the... Little for sisters. gameplay reasons, yeah. other than the little sisters. Um, but yeah, it also lends uh, credence to the relationship between the little sisters and the big daddy. So this dependence that they have conditioned into each other. Oh, it's like you see the big daddy picking up the little little sister and like putting her in the vent, and you're just like, I'm a monster for having to kill you, <laughs> you know? But, but gotta get that at him. <laughs> that at him. <laughs> um, moving on from little sisters, though, uh, they, they are core to everything that's going on, but it's a side effect. It's a side effect of what's happening in Rapture. And that is, it's all falling apart. Like, things have gone to crap as you experience going through this uh, game, and everybody that you encounter has broken in some way, mentally, yeah. I think. Obviously, the splicers are kind of just... I mean, you can just chalk them up to drug addicts, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of other characters throughout the game, like Tenenbaum, Andrew Ryan... Mm-hmm. And others who aren't plasmid users. Yep. They're not atom users. But, like, they still have their own reasons for things going to shit. Yeah. It's too much happening on a psychological toll for an average person, someone normal to survive what's going on. One such person being Steinman. Yes. He's one of the, I guess, bosses of the game. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's a character you encounter, you kind of enter his area, which is this medical pavilion, and you kind of have some foreshadowing of what this character is like. Yeah. Based on, like, some of the lighting, some of the pictures you see of people. His patients. <laughs> yeah, his patients, which, but, like, the pictures are covered in blood, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, his thing is a very twisted view of beauty mm-hmm. he strives for this unattainable perfection but his view of perfection is never attainable right so like throughout the game there are these audio logs where characters will kind of put their thoughts into a memo for anybody else to find hey, and yes. listen to a protagonist will come along someday <laughs> but it helps you uh <laughs> sh- help shape your view of the world of rapture right mm-hmm. so with Steinman, he gets these patients, and I think is initially like a plastic surgeon, mm-hmm. but his his current day to day, modus operandi is just mutilating people. Yeah, and his thing is like, oh, I'm making them more beautiful, but he's literally just a butcher. Yeah, he's pretty much the butcher. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you come across him, and like you see he has a patient, and he's kind of going down with the knife, and then it goes black. Mm-hmm. And then the lights turn back on again. He's not there. Spooky. Magician butcher didn't sign up for this. You know his whole his whole area is really creepy. I think you get the shotgun around that too. Mm-hmm. And I remember the encounter for the shotgun is like, hey, it's here, in the middle of like a uh, basically a spotlight uh, in the room, like on the shotgun, and you pick it up, and it's just like, hey darkness and you get jumped by or actually no it doesn't go to darkness you just start getting jumped from the shadows from the outside by all these splices and stuff yeah just the whole area is chasing shadows and encounters and things like that 
meant to make it all spooky and uh, spooky. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you actually get to just face them one on one, it's a pretty classic shootout. Yeah. So you just you shoot them a bunch. You could basically just put them in like Wolfenstein, and it would still be pretty accurate as a boss. He's got like a barrel-fed machine gun. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Jake. <laughs> He's a Nazi scientist. You could literally have him be a Nazi scientist. Yeah. Um, of course, his name is Steinman, so he's probably not a Nazi. No, he's not actually. <laughs> half the characters in this game are like half Jewish based on their last name. Yeah. yeah, it is true. But uh, yeah, I think he's the first first real boss you fight. Um, this game doesn't have a lot in the way of bosses. They have some tough encounters, but um, they no, don't. It's... They don't like throw a nobody at you, and you're like, "That's a boss." No, because it's not. It is an FPS, mm-hmm. but it's more a medium for the story because you want to convey that the character is thrown into this wildly terrible world, mm-hmm. which is very beautiful on the outside, but is completely rotten on the inside. So using weapons and plasmids are your means for survival. Exactly. Yeah. This is kind of the... This is what Bioshock built off of in System Shock, which is like, what will you give up to succeed? And um, like that theme, even though Bioshock has plenty of like heavy themes about capitalism, it's like, or, you know, late stage capitalism (laughs) or... um, like what a free, a truly free society turns into without um, any rules and regulations, without ethics. Um, it's also a story of what are you willing to do to accomplish your ends and like become more powerful, become stronger. Um, Definitely inject some plasmids. <laughs> yes, is, is okay in my books. <laughs> plasmids are okay, but uh, I mean, the game's telling you time and time again. It's like they're addictive like there's no way you uh, you get out of this unless you know you're sitting on the stockpile of all the world's plasmids at the end right um and making the choices with the little sisters it's like what are you willing to give up to become more powerful and that's the choice everybody else in rapture's made at this point yeah which i like you're just treading the path after them and are you going to tread the exact same path um with the little sisters when you harvest them it looks kind of brutal yeah and like they're lifeless husks just kind of like <laughs> st- thrown on the ground afterwards but if you, you get the slug yeah yeah but if you save them you kind of have this like in jesus name you kind of like <laughs> push the demon out of them baptize <laughs> yeah and then they're saved yeah they they uh their complexion clears up they look like a relatively normal Maybe not. Maybe still not normal because they all have the same character model still. Yeah, a little girl. But um, they say thank you and they'll do a little curtsy thing before finding a vent, <laughs> which is still safety. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, child, to the vents. <laughs> <laughs> Some things never change. At war and vents. Um, but uh, yeah, Steinman is your first, I think, main antagonist there. But he's not your last. You'll encounter other characters that um, have allied themselves with Andrew Ryan as he uh, holds back uh, the the tides of chaos that is Rapture. He doesn't want to see his city fall to nothing. Yeah. He still believes in the philosophy that had him build this city. Um, even if that means, you know, you got to 
hang up a couple smugglers and, uh, you know, ban people from uh, uh, having contraband Bibles and things like that. Yeah, it's a little prices, little prices. Making it better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, another interesting character, kind of uh, on the opposite side of um, Tenenbaum, where Tenenbaum, Dr. Tenenbaum, um, got a conscience. She grew to uh, want to save the Little Sisters. Uh, her, um, I was going to say comrade, but not really not really comrade. Associate? Associate, yeah, like associate Dr. Uh, Suchong. Um, had no such compunctions. He was perfectly willing to carry on her research. No, he's true science when you think about like tv and movies is somebody who's like i have a goal mm-hmm. i will achieve that goal and i don't care about people yeah. you're kind of disassociated from society in a way and it's just i want this scientific breakthrough mm-hmm. but me so they'll do like any means to an end and like you hear a lot of logs with him just being like how can we condition this person to do yeah. this thing how can we exploit this here very, it's kind of an evil dude. He is completely evil. He's very results-driven, too. And it's kind of like Tenenbaum got this far up the crazy meter, or the Andrew meter, I would say, probably, before she developed a conscience. Uh, Su Chong basically sticks around till the end on the uh, the crazy train. Um, I don't think you fight him. I don't think you encounter him in the game. No, I think by this point in the game, he's somewhere else. Yeah. Or just not involved. Or dead. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of dead people in Rapture, as it turns out. He's not directly involved. Yeah. But uh, it doesn't hold a candle, I think, to the, the the next character here, which is probably the most memorable, other than maybe Andrew. Yeah. Um, so. He's, I think, my favorite character. Yeah. Because it's motherfucking Sander Cohen. Sander Cohen. Yeah. I'm going to try and describe him using another famous person, Salvador Dali. Mm-hmm. So if you is very modeled after that, and he's very kind of crazy art oriented. Yeah, where everything he does is to appease his muse, and his idea of art is similar to Steinman's, very skewed, mm-hmm. and he has his unique ways of murdering people, <laughs> yeah. and then calling it art. Yeah, but. The way his character interacts, he actually has a lot of dialogue with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not a straight-up fight when you encounter him. You kind of go into his theater area. And before he'll allow you to progress through Rapture, through his domain, you kind of have to go with a camera and take specific art pictures that he requests. Yeah. He actually he completely blocks out your radio. So usually uh, Atlas can guide you through the game, gives you some ideas about what you need to do. Uh, to proceed and atlas's voice is missing sander cohen is all you have <laughs> i think that i think the intro for uh, sander cohen as well as you like uh, come across one of his uh, uh proteges playing a uh, piano and making some mistakes that sander cohen is not yep. willing to live with <laughs> no 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 <laughs> and that i think the whole piano is rigged with explosives yep. probably mm-hmm. and he just murders the guy straight up blows him up but Sander Cohen definitely has, I'd say, the most iconic personality. Mm-hmm. A lot of deep flair in there. Yeah, he's he's a showman at heart. Like uh, he has, like you said, flair. He has this flourish to his voice, and he has these really calm, 
quiet moments where he's sanely telling you exactly how you should murder the next person. Um, punctuated by moments of straight mania insanity. Yeah. Where he's just like, all right, you screwed something up. It's time to die. <laughs> yeah, no, there's... Um, you have to go. You mentioned you have to go around and take some pictures of uh, splicers after you've killed them. Yeah. To like uh, complete his art gallery, um, and he he poses people in plaster, and then kills them, I guess, or something. There's certain people like he'll kill and then kind of like cement them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty macabre, <laughs> I'd say. Yeah. He has a he has a really interesting area though, and you can't just shortcut your way through it. You have to do what he's saying to get out um after you've uh, turned in a couple of those uh pictures he'll actually turn on you he'll say he'll uh the reason that he does is because he thinks that you're criticizing him he's like you're just like all the other doubters and uh there's some vulgarities in there yeah but ironically you know your character doesn't say anything <laughs> exactly so maybe you're projecting sander you're just maybe a little you're bit projecting just a little bit yeah you don't really like you said you don't have the choice to not kill these people you kind of just have to mm -hmm. obey what he's saying right and they're all splicers so it's not like uh it's not like um a very tough choice right these are all people that you'd yeah they're pretty much anyways. out to kill you anyway yeah um killer be killed man it's it's, it's rapture it's just i'm rapture. just doing what i had to do i grew up in rapture <laughs> south rapture um but yeah, after you've, uh, he sends a veritable army of splicers at you after he thinks that you're doubting him. Um, after you've killed all of them, he's like, oh, I apologize. <laughs> Got a little out of control there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he says his, his muse is a fickle B word. A fickle bit. Yeah. Jake, if you want the swears, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just give the fingers at me. That'll be my cue to fill in for you. Yeah, but, uh, really interesting character he calms down after you've wiped out his uh, splicers he comes down in person to uh gaze upon the gallery yeah and then he um he gives you a reward in the form of a tonic i believe um tonics are just kind of just like passes yeah that you can have equipped for i'll be stronger with a wrench exactly or other perks it's the reason the wrench is the best weapon is tonics actually you can kind of stack those tonics to be just wrench guy. Yeah, just a wrench guy. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. What does he have in his one hand? Nothing. Oh, thank God. What about the other hand? A wrench. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like, doesn't it suck how most people have uh, footsteps and you can uh, detect them by that? What if they just didn't have footsteps at all? <laughs> what if he's going to sneak up on you with a wrench? <laughs> He'll hit you with a wrench and cause a burst of lightning <laughs> and then still life. <laughs> yeah, wrench. Wrench build. Best build in there. But anyways, yeah, <laughs> gives you a tonic. Yeah, and then if you're like anybody else, you try and shoot him. Yeah. At this point, mm -hmm. and he just kind of laughs and like teleports away. Yeah. You like you, you don't actually hit him. He just kind of just. He's a peace, and I, I I think you can chase him down and fight him. I think you can do it as a boss fight because there's a a large chest there. Um, it was uh next to the tonic. Yes. It's locked. It's like Sander Cohen's muse or something like that. Um. But uh, I, I only think I fought him the first time, my first playthrough. I don't think I did it subsequent, because this is just such a good character. Yeah. And the game doesn't give you a lot of choices, so something like that is... It's nice. Um, but as soon as he sees that art gallery, he uh, drops this, like, blocker. 
so atlas can talk to you on the radio and is like hey you know where you been we got going on yeah it's like where, where have you been it's like would you kind of make your way down to um the bathosphere to keep this going Senator cohen lets you go um and you can progress uh, into the end game which is uh where it all starts to fall apart and fall together so atlas up until this point has kind of been guiding you through rapture mm-hmm. trying to help himself and his family get out of rapture yeah and also to take down andrew ryan um some events happen earlier where atlas's family dies yeah when you try and go to save them and he's like fuck that andrew ryan we gotta straight murder him yeah so you're on the way to straight murder him because he's this corrupt dictator Mm -hmm. and he's fucking things up look at the city right like look at what's come from andrew ryan's yeah his leadership and direction has taken the whole city down so you eventually work your way there and you kind of like drop in through the ceiling mm-hmm. in yeah. Andrew Ryan's study. Very, very ninja-esque. Splinter cell. <laughs> yeah. And he's just there playing, you know, like that single hole golf yeah. that rich people have? <laughs> yeah, right. Just in the office. Yeah. it's. I think it's only in TV and movies that that exists. Yeah. But that's what he's doing. He's just kind of living his best life. <laughs> and as you approach him, he says... Would you kindly stop? Yeah. And you do. W doesn't do anything anymore. <laughs> and at this point, you can't really control anything. It kind of goes into cutscene. But mm-hmm. you basically find out that your character has to do anything that somebody says. And it's prefaced by, would you kindly? Yeah. Which is a pretty big twist, because you've been hearing it the whole game. <laughs> Even when you first pick up the radio, it said, would you kindly Mm -hmm. pick up the radio? Yep. And And you're like, yeah, I'll play the game. They hit you with all the flashbacks. Yeah. So, basically, this is where shit gets a little weird. Mm -hmm. You were born two years ago. (laughs) You are the genetic offspring of Andrew Ryan, which Mm -hmm. which allowed you to get into Rapture in the first place. Yeah. But... Because of that implanted training in you for mm-hmm. the Would You Kindly and other things. Conditioned, yeah. The conditioning. Mm-hmm. You took down that plane at that exact moment in time, exactly above Rapture, so you could come back in. Yeah. And essentially, you've been manipulated up until this point, kind of against Andrew Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he knows this. Yeah. And he knows about the conditioning, which is why I said, Would You Kindly Stop? Yeah. And he kind of goes up to you, and he's talking to you, and kind of showing he has power over you by saying, would you kindly do this? Yeah, kneel, things like that. Gets you on the ground, have you run. Just completely takes away all of your uh, initiative as a player. Yeah. All your agency. You have no power, you have no control. This is literally his domain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's... It's basically at this moment that my brain exploded when I first time I played through this. Yeah. Because I did not see the twist coming at all. <laughs> There's no way you would. Like, you've been guided through, and, like, you hear things, you see things, you're like, this is normal, because it's for the game. Yeah. Atlas saying, would you kindly, is his turn of phrase, right? He's being polite. Mm-hmm. It's just the way he talks. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not uncommon for a game like in the, it's this... I mean, even a modern game, 
to have this kind of format. You just accept all of the mechanics. The fact that it's relatively linear. They have some areas you can explore, but for the most part, the story's linear. Um, that's just out of necessity for the game. But no, developers actually incorporated that into the very motivation of your character. and Which is nuts. The story. Yeah, it was insane. Absolutely blew my mind. Also, as it turns out, Andrew Ryan's. Because <laughs> uh, after demonstrating the extent of his power over you, he uh, gives you a, a phrase. He, he tells you that a man chooses and a slave obeys, which is still just goosebumps. Yeah. It's one of the iconic lines from Bioshock. And it's just the epitomizing of a man makes his own decisions. A slave just follows orders and does what he's told. Yeah. Implying that you've been a slave the entire time. Exactly. And even now, you are his slave. You can't really make your own actions because of the mental conditioning. Mm-hmm. And to fully demonstrate that, <laughs> Andrew Ryan, in his magnanimous way, plus also, I'm sure, some other factors, gives you his golf club that he was putting with. Yeah. He said, Would you kindly beat me with this golf ball club yeah so you hit him with it yeah and it's impactful yeah there's there's like recoil to the swings every single hit and you see like his kind of semi-broken and bloody face he just got concussed oh yeah and he gets up he says a man chooses a slave obeys his voice is a little more broken this time right because his face is a little, a little more, more broken, broken this time. <laughs> and he says would you kindly and he mm-hmm. keeps repeating it yeah and it gets progressively worse oh yeah to the point where like he's choking for breath mm-hmm. and then you do like the final swing and he's he's dead yeah you break off the end of the golf club like in yeah. his skull it's it's pretty gruesome and in some ways it's made it's made more gruesome by the fact that you the player have no control over it like games make choices more impactful um, or consequences more impactful by giving you choice. And this one, um, it's made more impactful because they take it away from you yeah. because you realize you never had a choice that you're watching this play out and you're just following the parameters that were laid before you. Um, so naturally it's just like, well, I don't know where we go from here. And this is where our buddy Atlas comes back in, except he's not. He kind of quickly tells you, it's like, quick, Ryan's dead, grab his key card, and essentially go turn off There's like a Ryan's lockdown. control of the city. Yeah. Because he's had it locked down, because he's paranoid of people trying to kill him, etc. And so you go and do that, because you're like, the fuck else am I going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he says, would you, would you kindly, too. I think for that final action. So you just... I mean, you, the player, have control again. Yeah. But, but you, there's you, no the other exit. Yeah. Doesn't exactly. And then Atlas's voice changes from, like, a friendly Irishman to, <laughs> like, a 1920s New York mobster, <laughs> revealing that he is, in fact, Frank Fontaine. Yes. A famous smuggler and opposer of Andrew Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just an all-around mobster kind of bad dude yeah he's he's the dissident to andrew ryan's utopia he's providing people what they want as opposed to what andrew thinks what they need yeah um bibles 
like weapons drugs he's trying to like shoehorn in on the atom exchange yeah um he's a businessman mm-hmm. a businessman <laughs> business uh, businessman <laughs> <laughs> um and uh Andrew actually makes the mistake, Andrew Ryan makes the mistake of letting Fontaine build his business for a while because he sees it as free agency. He sees yeah. it as, you know, pulling the chain, trying to better himself, reach his peak. And then he realizes that he's going to have the chain pulled out from under him like or around him. Yeah, because Frank Fontaine very quickly wants more and more and he wants to essentially seize control of Rapture from Ryan. Yep. And you do you help him get it. So yeah. <laughs> good job. Great work, protagonist. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> um Yeah, it's uh ex- accelerated two years of a life up into fulfilling this man's ambition. And uh then he he tells you to die. He's like, Would you kindly go get stepped on by a big daddy? Um and uh, basically I think at some point he commands your heart to stop or something like that. Some ridiculous conditioning thing that was, would kill you. And you're thankfully saved by a Tenenbaum. Um, she finds you, the little sisters find you. And her bearing on you... This is basically where some of the choices break down a little bit. She's perfectly friendly with you if you save the little sisters. Which right. is basically the only way I play. Because I know the rewards are roughly equivalent after you count in the gifts. But... Um, she also saves you if you're the bad guy, because she's just like, like you're basically the chance of us. Well, getting yeah, out of here. and she also knows about your conditioning and sees you as you didn't willingly do all this stuff. Right. It's like Fontaine's been in control of you. It's like somebody's been like pushing cocaine down your throat and then like <laughs> telling you to go like murder people on the street, and that's yeah. kind of what your character has been to this point. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, she she helps you escape the conditioning. So the next time uh, Fontaine um, actually realizes that you're there and tries to get you to kill yourself or for your heart to stop, um, you resist the conditioning and you can continue on. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like good doctors, you know, been messing around in your head, I see. And uh, it, that it starts the acceleration to the end game. You um, need to reach where Fontaine is um, for this final boss fight. You undergo like a process to um, get the parts of a big daddy, uh, be, enter the suit, have the voice modulation. Yeah, uh, you thing. had to get the pheromones too. Yep. You essentially wanted to become a big daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to undergo the full transformation to become a big daddy so you can get a little sister to instinctively trust you, follow the pheromones, and help you through a door that yeah. uh, Fontaine's locked. It's kind of like a plot door. <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah. But it is really cool to get all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And then you actually get to play as a big daddy for yeah. a bit. And it's really cool. Because, like we said before, it's built up as this huge thing. This huge opposition, this wall. Yeah. Which you fight a couple of them. And now you get to be this powerhouse. It's kind of that power creep throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And yep. you get to kill the uh splicers with the drill mm. oh yeah they're like they realized that that gameplay was really good so they're like what if we just made a game of this we can make a game of this <laughs> uh, but that's not this one uh that that finally culminates once the door is open with the boss fight with fontaine you reached him at the end he is the most adamed up guy 
imaginable. Yes. A, a veritable giant of muscle. So Fontaine had actually avoided using Adam up until the end of the game. But basically the fact that things were starting to go out of control um, caused him to panic. And he's yeah. like, we're going to start using this stuff. So it's kind of just a a very quick power spike. Yeah. So he just dosed himself hard. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure he's like a normal guy like you, but mm-hmm. now he's like a jacked god. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely gigantic. And uh, he has like... So the for the boss fight, for the final boss fight, most people don't, re- don't regard this as the best part of the game. No. Um, but the mechanic is... Uh, he essentially has these vials of um, Adam that he uses to recharge his health. You have to do a bunch of damage to him. He'll go back, try to heal. You can, like, uh, I think you can stab him or something um, when he's trying to recharge. Um, something like that. There's some sort of interruption mechanic. Um, doesn't matter that much. It's really not the key part of the game. Yeah. Because um, you, you kind of just go around very FPS style, mm-hmm. facing him for a little bit, which is not with the theme of the game yeah but it's how they wanted to end it so you actually got to like do something yeah as opposed to just having kind of peter off like you can use your grenade launcher with all its mods and proximity mines and your chemical flamethrower and all these other things that you've built up to this you can use the arsenal at the end but it's not like those never seem like the very the strengths of the game it didn't seem like the reason to play bioshock was for yeah you're not running and gunning yeah um, also, wrench build is really bad against this guy, so naturally <laughs> I'm gonna hate this. <laughs> um, but uh, after you've depleted all of his atom reserves, you finally like got him on the ground. Uh, he just gets freaking swarmed by little sisters in the cutscene. Yeah, who all just go and like stab him with the needles. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they know who he is. He was yeah. involved in. All the little sister actions going on, the conditioning. Mm-hmm. Maybe have like a little, little bit of those pheromones left or something. Or they are just, you know, told by Ten Tenenbaum to help you out. Swarm him, <laughs> unleash the swarm. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, little sister Zerg. Um, they take him down. They're not actually Zerg. No. <laughs> little Zerglings. Um, take him down. He gets stabbed a bunch, dies, and then they um, they have the key to the city basically in the, the literal sense it's the override key that just unlocks everything and uh, they this is when it changes right this is where uh, you actually have some different endings yeah um, so if you were saving all the little sisters you kind of go back to the service and you live out like a normal healthy happy healthy life mm-hmm. kathy kathy <laughs> you live out you outlive kathy that cold hearted <laughs> bitch but when you die and you're of old age mm-hmm. all those little sisters you saved are kind of like there with you and like hold your hand as you die yeah um but if you were a dick and constantly killing the little sisters you probably weren't like the nicest guy to begin with mm-hmm. so you kind of activate uh raptures missiles and yeah you uh stashed arsenal you uh, take control of nuclear submarines yeah. as they like pass by the lighthouse. You're just like, these are mine now. I own these. I um. There's also a little touch in the cutscene where like they start to like hand the key to you, mm-hmm. and you either just grab it out of their hand if you're evil, because you know red color evil choices thing, 
Um, or you like gently place it back in their hand and they're just like really happy. It's completely disparate ending cutscenes. And they, they, they go hard on the, the camp kind of for the happy ending. Like yeah. all of their, the, when you, we've aged, you probably age like really quickly cause they seem relatively young. Um, when you're dying of old age. I mean, also you were born two years ago <laughs> when you were like an adult man. So I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Might slow down a little bit cause they are all apparently married. They've all got like wedding rings on and stuff yeah. like that, and I just thought that was it's hilarious. It's a very happy ending, like uh, bow tie and all. It's so the first time I actually saw this, I was like, "They didn't all marry you, though." Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that changes. When I grow up, I want to marry my daddy. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like, okay, that's probably not what I necessarily want. Yeah. Um, and so they're completely. I I don't like when games extrapolate based off of one choice whether your character is good or evil yeah so i didn't like those things because you're like maybe maybe i want more adam so i'll like eat two little sisters <laughs> but that doesn't mean i want a nuclear submarine right? exactly <laughs> it wasn't something that's kind of like hey if you go this way it might lean into something yeah um that being said uh, despite the weaker ending i'd say overall um the game was amazing yeah Holy fucking shit. It was one of the first games where after I played it... No, it's actually the first game where after I played it, I was like, whoa, I didn't know games could be like this, mm -hmm. that impactful. And it has impacted me so much that I... Everybody knows I love Bioshock, who knows me. Like, I talk about it not all the time. Right. But, like, I have a right Bioshock tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I have... He just showed the tattoo, just for the record. <laughs> J Jake hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> But it's of Put your um, <laughs> the Rapture Lighthouse. It's on my arm. It's on my arm, for the record. And I have like 15 to 20 things of Bioshock-related oh, yeah. merchandise or memorabilia or mm -hmm. art I've commissioned from Jenny. Mm -hmm. So it is very impactful to me, and I've held on to it for a while. I think we'll continue to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I can attest that... Uh... Dave has all of the merch, <laughs> all of the Bioshock merch. He's holding that IP afloat and funding all of the developers on his own. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, it's, it's, I, I appreciate Bioshock for being a continuation of System Shock, for like pushing the boundary for, they had a relatively small team and they focused in and they made a game really awesome. They could have branched out in a lot of like crazy ways, but they made a small game feel huge. Oh my god, yeah. And it's I like think we said, the, the gameplay is fairly linear. Yeah. Which you don't see as much nowadays. Mm -hmm. But they, they made it work. Yeah. So hard. And a big part of that is like just the different ways you could play the game. Like, uh, you could just run and gun it through a lot of it using incinerate as your primary like plasmid and just light them on fire <laughs> and then shoot them while they're on fire. <laughs> yeah. The one-two punch. <laughs> That's actually like the three-four punch of it. Um, or you could uh, take it slow. I like to play these games a lot slower. Um, we mentioned the hacking minigame. We're going to come back to it. That's one of the ways you can take it slow. Yeah. it's You essentially have some fluid going through tubes, and you kind of reveal tiles and kind of switch pieces around. Mm -hmm. So you can make a flow from where it starts to the end gate. Yeah. So it'll be like, oh, I'm unlocked. Cool. Yeah. You got to form the pipe before the, the fluid like hits as much progress as you've made as you've made or you might hit like an alarm block or something if you didn't like plan your route correctly and that could 
have enemy robots show up. Which are like helicopter looking things. It's pretty funny, actually. How do you describe those? It's like if. Because it has the helicopter. Claptrap was shittier. Black tied (laughs) to like a. I think an office chair had a little (laughs) copter and like a turret. Yeah. It, they're pretty janky, mm-hmm. and they sound and look janky too. Yeah, they got like whirling sounds and yeah. beeps and stuff. But you could uh, hit it with some lightning, take it out of the, of the air, run up, and then hack that. Now you've got like a little robo buddy that will fly around and uh, get work done. Or you can hack the cameras, and mm-hmm. they will then detect other people as enemies. So like splicers, like oh, and then it'll activate the security systems around there. Exactly. And be like get them. That'll pour, pull uh, automatically friendly robots in to help you. So, like, some of this planning could make some of the harder encounters take a much smaller resource tool toll on you. Um, they had other really cool plasmids like decoy, which you could. Uh, it would. This is like basically the only time I think you saw your character in the uh, the game. But yeah. you would see um, he was like looking about furatively. It was kind of like holographic form, and enemies would like to shoot at him and try to hit him and things like that. But he's just a hologram, basically. Um, or my personal favorite, which was um, Hypnotize Big Daddy. You could only get that if you were saving the little sisters. They would give it to you in a gift package. But mm-hmm. it allows you to just be like, hey, Big Daddy, usually you help little sisters, but I'm going to throw this, like, it's like an, an organic orb thing, like a blue... It's a goop. Uh, it's a goop. <laughs> I think goop's the right way to put it. Um, throw it at the Big Daddy, and it's just like... Little sisters, I don't care about them. I'm gonna follow you, and like yeah. the, the little. You essentially sister- become the little sister. He's like, we are friends. Yeah. <laughs> At which point, the little sister kind of like freaks out and runs to a vent. Like she tries to get get to safety because yeah. she doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> Big Daddy's just like, hey, why? <laughs> but uh, yeah, having him follow you around and protect you in fights, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of like. The power cap is Big Daddy's. Yeah. Getting shit done. Oh, yeah. I would... I would always almost go more of a gun route. Because mm-hmm. you can upgrade your guns uh, throughout the game. And you can also, like, buy ammo if you're not finding it off bodies. Right. By going to the Circus of Value. <laughs> the Circus of Value. value. <laughs> That's something that you can't... You, you have to mention it when you talk about Bioshock. Because mm-hmm. it's one of those spins on it it's like a little flare personality mm-hmm. that everybody remembers come back when you have some money, money buddy, buddy. <laughs> oh man yeah it's it's a good time it was a long time ago that we played that yeah. but just talking about it takes me back um and it's it's cont- i mean thankfully it was very successful um it's almost like they made four or five games out of it <laughs> yeah i mean they they continued the series uh, it was a pretty big hit on uh, platform or on consoles and PC, um, which was really good. And it even got remastered recently. Yeah, yep. The remaster is available on Steam. Um, I don't know if you automatically get it if you already had the game, but I know I didn't I think you do. I didn't realize I had it, so I think that's the case. Then I went and looked at it, like to prep for this. Yeah. Saw it in my Steam library, and I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll install that one. There you go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's also just. It gets insanely cheap. Like Steam will throw it up yeah. for like five bucks for like every <laughs> every week they put like the entire collection up for like five bucks. Yeah, it's, it's something silly. It's pretty crazy. Um, 
the second one was probably less uh, popular with fans, but they really brought it back for Infinite. Maybe someday we'll cover that one. I would definitely like to in the future, mm-hmm. as I have much <laughs> much merchandise and memorabilia in yeah. that way. It's, uh, it's, it's a good game to experience. I mean, we've clearly covered most of the first one, but yeah, I think uh, going back and playing through it and living through it again going back to those i don't know probably college years at this point oh yeah um maybe even like start of college or before it's uh it's kind of old now (laughs) (laughs) jake we're kind of old now yeah that's kind of true (laughs) but the game's insanely good i know we spoiled some stuff here Mm -hmm. all of it (laughs) we didn't get all all all, but we kind of spoiled some of the major key things Mm -hmm. But even so, it's worth checking out and getting your own perspective on it first person. Mm -hmm. Or if you're nostalgic like us and you've already played the game, play it again and talk to us about it. Because I, for one, am a Bioshock slut. (laughs) Yep, It it is true. I can confirm. But I'd like to thank everybody for joining us for another episode of Soapstone. Um, as always, you can contact us uh, on, at Gmail at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you like the podcast, you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And we would be happy to hear from you. We always are excited, as Dave mentioned, to uh, discuss the episodes, things we talked about, and uh, your own impressions of the games that we cover. Um, it's always fun. doesn't happen a whole lot, but you know... <laughs> Try to stay positive. That's that's what makes it special, though, Jake. So that one person's like, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> gonna ride this high for years. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna head out. So have a good night, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night. Somewhere beyond the sea, somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden sand and watches the ships that go sailing somewhere beyond the sea. She's there watching for me. If I could fly like birds on high, then straight to her arms I'd go Beyond the star, it's near beyond the moon. I know beyond a doubt, my heart will lead me there soon. We'll meet beyond the shore, we'll kiss just as before. Happy we'll be beyond the sea And never again I'll go sailing